Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. How was your weekend, Mike? Well, my weekend was a lot of fun because I spent it inside of some dusty old books and newspapers finishing up research on the University of Wisconsin haunted tour. Oh, excellent. Well, that must have taken some real dedication given how beautiful it was outside all weekend. It was beautiful outside, but you have to you have to move when the inspiration strikes. And also, it's beautiful outside. It means people want to go take tours. Yeah. So did you find anything interesting in those dusty old books? Oh, yeah. I found a whole bunch of stuff about the UW. And it's nice because not being official means that uh, we can say whatever we want. (laughs) There are no speech codes or safe spaces on this particular tour. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll be launching that in just a, a few weeks here. So it was nice. So I spent it doing haunted history research. And that was fun. And I was also researching possible future towns, too. You know, I, I get that newspapers.com seven-day trial. Okay. And then I, I look for as much uh, as I can, and I clip all the PDFs from, like, newspapers in 1853 and oh, 1908 cool. and everything as I can. And eventually, I know I'm going to have to get a subscription. <laughs> You know, and I know that the guys from newspapers that come hate people like me who just keep getting the free trial. Um, but let me oh, say, news- gave them a nice little promotion there, little plug. Yes, <laughs> newspapers that right, and also these 19th century newspapers. This is the way that you get to see the history of your place because it's got newspapers that aren't around anymore. It's searchable. You can see ghost stories that people talk about, like in the 1870s. I mean, we discussed before how after the American Civil War, uh, there was a huge influx in american spiritualism yes that's definitely a thing and so there's a lot of ghost stories especially from i'd say the 1920s well we talked about spiritualism as in the 1920s and the late 19th century after the american civil war um it's just a treasure trove to be able to read it and also to be able to think that 150 years ago 160 years ago people were still just reading the paper like we do yeah so that's kind of fun well that's great yeah, I'm excited to go on your tour and check it out. Well, I'm excited. Well, tonight's tonight's a run through, so that's the, we'll see how it goes. All right. Well, let me know when it's up and running. I will. So, did you have a nice weekend? I did. Yes. Thanks. Okay. Do anything scary? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not scary enough, huh? No, but you know, it was a beautiful summer. I mean, summer's here. It was hot yes. and sunny, and so I got to enjoy that a little bit. And um, I just finished week five of P90X. Hey, all right. So feeling good there. That's great. Getting stronger, getting huge, getting huge and ripped. I understand. I'm, I'm going to the gym as soon as we're done. I've got an appointment <laughs> with my trainer. My trainer's like, hey, man, stop being, such a, stop being such a wuss. Yeah. So I'm like 35 days in. So yeah. only, what, 55 left to go? Oh, it's done. It's 90 days. Yeah. <laughs> that's where the 90 comes from. Yes. Okay. Well, that's fun. You're, you're almost halfway through P90X. Yeah. 
But I'm also excited because we found out that we're going to be playing at Summerfest. Oh, yeah. Summerfest in Milwaukee, everybody. That's the, it's, it's like the biggest music festival in the world. And our band's going to be there on July 6th at 3 p.m. So if you're in the area or if you're going to Summerfest, please swing by. It's such a cheap ticket and you can see probably right. see 20 bands in a day if you tried. <laughs> yeah. AWOL Nation will be the band headlining on our stage. Yes. So uh, if you like that sale song, uh, then you should come early, see Sunspot. Uh, and then you can hang out for AWOL Nation. And I'm sure it's like Tom Petty playing that night, too, in the Marcus Amphitheater, too. So yes. it's going to be like, and there's a million bands. So even if you don't like AWOL Nation, there'll be a, a huge band that you like will be playing that day. And the tickets are so inexpensive for what you get. Yeah. Every day. Right. It's like 10 bucks. And I think you can get like two for one if you come before like four or something. Like it's yeah. Summerfest is always a sweet deal. It's always fun. Um, when I was in high school, I used to go for like four or five days. Over this, it goes for twelve days, and so I used to go for several days, and it'd just be something to do, and you just you just hang out at a stage all day, and I'd see well, like so many stages, you can just wander from one to the next, and if a band comes up that you're not crazy about, you just mosey on over to another stage, and right, and that's going it. On there, and it's just it's great. So yeah, we'll be and there, I, yay. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen everybody from you know Dokken to Dio to the Lemonheads to the Pixies to I mean I'm trying to think of all the different bands I see Ringo Starr Weird Al Joe Walsh um it's quite a hit list yeah I'm just thinking of it. I mean it just is awesome band so anyway we're excited about that and something else I'm excited about Wendy oh, are, are, are the you excited about Mike I can't are they I can't imagine two awesome people who left reviews on the sea oh on the other side iTunes this week we got yes. a twofer well let's start with uh from Jeremy F. Spagu, loving the punk, five stars. This podcast has everything a 40-something conspiracy-loving alien-watching punk guitarist Sasquatch-hunting guy needs. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, we appreciate Thanks, you Jeremy. listening to the podcast, and we're glad we can give you exactly what you need. Sounds like we have a few things in common there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. we also have another five stars. Oh, my um, God. I like that. Yes, from Deborah. Cactus Joe's Squeeze. Deborah, oh. Love this podcast. Just listen to the Twin Peaks episode. I can't believe how well researched you both are on the topic. Mm, thank you. It's really helped to understand that show a lot more. There's so much that you can miss if you don't understand some of the symbology behind it, so this has made it a much richer viewing experience. Mm. The new Showtime series has been very artsy and vague. If I hadn't listened to this, I think it might make less sense watching it. Totally. This is by far my favorite episode of your podcast. Can't wait to hear the follow-up. But all of the episodes are so well-researched, it's very impressive. Wow. Well, thanks, Deborah. I'm glad you enjoyed that Twin Peaks episode. Yes. Which was episode 145, othersidepodcast.com slash 145, if you'd care to hear it. So, Other Side Podcast, what we like to do is make it so we enrich in your experience while you're watching the boob tube. Yes. And I have to give the hat tip to Mike on the research for that one, especially because he really was the one that did the digging. <laughs> Well, thank I you, Wendy. I didn't have to dig too hard because I've watched all the episodes when I was 14 years old. <laughs> there you go. So, so well, still thanks, Jeremy it. and Deborah. You're both awesome, and we love you. Yes, we certainly do. We kiss you. And you know what? Jeremy and Deborah are making me believe in a higher power. A higher power? Wow. I mean, I could see why. Every time I read a five-star review, I'm like, thank you, God. <laughs> But the thing is, when I say things like, thank you, God, or usually I, when I do something embarrassing and I, I pray to God that doesn't go that bad, or I am in the toughest spot, and they always say that there are no atheists in a foxhole. <laughs> because when you're in a tough spot, the first yes. thing you do is 
you know, say like, oh, please, God, I'll do it. You make the bargain. You're like, hey. I'm not a praying man, but. Exactly. Or, or you say like, hey, you know, if you if you make this happen, then I'll sacrifice something else. Like you make a deal. Yeah. Like the Almighty's like, okay, well, let's trade. Like it's just like it's, like it's talking to, your, you know, a used car. Like, like Jesus is a used car dealer. <laughs> but the thing is, you do that. And when I say things, I don't get a, I don't get a response. I shouldn't say that because some people would say that, you know, you can find responses in. Right. It might not be someone saying the words into your ear. But it's like a bird winking at you or something like that. Or, you know, this is where I carried you along the beach. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> or just the way that your life plays out. Correct. When things happen. And and I do. I get that. And I, I do get that. I love that symbolism. I love that idea that we talk to the universe all the time and it gives us little signals. I mean, I like living that way too. I think it's fun to live in the way of seeing signals from the universe wherever you look. But what I'm trying to say is it's not like God like slaps me a high five and says, you know what? I will do that. You know, I will, uh, your uncle will get better uh, because you didn't drink this week. You know, like those things, like, thanks God. Like he doesn't do that. He doesn't send a text message like, got the message. Right. Coming right up. No, he doesn't. But uh, some people have a different relationship with the Almighty. And that's our guest today. Um, Yeah, J.D. Cross uh, wrote a couple of different books. Number one, Soul Travel in Heaven, The Day I Died. And the other is Prophecies in the Light of Christ. And those are her newer books. And Soul Travel in Heaven, we talk about this. Uh, We talk about her near-death experience and what happened. We talk about her prophecies, what she predicts for 2017. And we also talk about what was it like growing up when angels and Jesus come to visit you at night. Okay, I got to hear this. All right. So let's get to the interview. Let's go talk to J.D. Cross. Joining us today is holistic counselor and author of a new book called Prophecies in the Light of Christ, and that is J.D. Cross. J.D., how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Well, fantastic here. It's, it's a beautiful day in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, we don't always get beautiful days. So today I'm enjoying it as much as I can. Where, where are we talking to you at? Where are you from? Uh, right now, I am in, um, I'm right outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I'm right in Surfside Beach. And today here is a beautiful day. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And so today we want to talk about your new book. We want to talk about uh, your, your last book, Two Soul Travel in Heaven, The Day I Died. And it's exciting mm-hmm. um, to kind of get into the different prophecies and messages you've received, as well as, uh, well, like the, the kind of traveling your soul's done. So let's start from the beginning. Where are you from originally? Um, I was born in Virginia Beach. Uh, Virginia, and my father was uh, in the service, so we traveled. And um, all my years I spent in, outside of Washington, D.C., uh, right in Arlington, Virginia, is where I went to school. Okay. So um, that, that's all my growing years right there in Virginia. When you were growing up, you know, were you deeply religious? Did you have a lot of spiritual experiences? Like... When did you start communicating or, you know, or talking to whatever's out there? Yeah, well, I started at a very early age, and I was very fortunate to have a mother that nurtured my gifts. Um, But I started um, seeing angels when I was the age um, four to five years old. 
And um, I would sit with my mother. She would meditate every day. And um, I would sit with her. And she helped to nurture my gifts, you know, because I would tell her what I would see. And um, she never shamed me, you know, uh, so I wasn't afraid to talk to her. And she always had, we had a family Bible, and um, she would go through the Bible with me. So that really helped me um, as far as not being afraid. Well, when you saw something, so if you remember, now four or five years old is a stretch, I know, for, for a kind of memory. It but is. if you think about the first time that you saw, uh, well, an angel, mm-hmm. what did the angel look like? Would it, did it look like a... Uh, like a like a physical manifestation was it could you see through it like what yeah. what hap- what happened well when i started um um my I, we had this routine you know my mother would come in read me a book at night before i went to bed and say my prayers and when she left the room and this was happening so frequently and it just got clearer and clearer i would see this more gorgeous, huge angel um, with wings. I mean, in all detail, they were very white and um, they would talk to me and I could hear them talking and um, they would take me at night in my travel, you know, to heaven. And I felt very safe, but I would see them off and on uh, also during the day. Um, You know, so it's almost like having a little playmate, you know, as it seems okay. to start out that way. So they appeared as okay. full, full boat, like the, like an angel out of a, like a painting or something like that. Yes. Yes. I mean, it was, it was, it was though that, you know, that I can describe it now. Um, uh, it was the, the, like the, the lady would have a face, a very beautiful face. I could see the rays of color around her and she was all in white and, you know, um, and, and appeared to have like, you know, um, clothing on, you know, uh, it was so white and pure, you know, it had a form. She had a form to her and her wings were just huge. I just remember that because of how I would fly with her into heaven, you know, during, during the night. And at first I was very afraid, you know, when I saw it, but, um, I think because my mother had nurtured, you know, the, the Bible, uh, and Jesus that I wasn't afraid. Do you know what I mean? Well, so, well, right. It's when you describe this to your mother, you say like, hey, I've got an angel appearing in my room at night, big wings and everything. Mm-hmm. Did that, Now, did the angel just appear or it didn't like come in through the window or anything, did it? No, it just would appear. It p- appeared right at the foot of my bed, right at the foot of my bed. And I had a single double bed. Um, it was a small room. Um and um, my brother at the time, he's five years older than me, and we shared a room. And when I first saw it, I, I t- he was the very first person that I told, you know, because he was right there in the room with me. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I couldn't, you know, for some reason, you know, I think because of the, the beauty and the rays of it and the presence of uh, of God in it, I it I wasn't afraid, you know. Um, it just it just 
was so, um, so beautiful. So the first few times that you saw the angel, mm-hmm. and you said that it's always she, so it sounds like, or at least had a feminine appearance. It was a she. Uh-huh. Um, so it has a feminine appearance. And then when you know, you said that you, you traveled with the angel to heaven. Okay, well, let's get, let's get into mm-hmm. that for a second. So what was that? What was that travel like? Like, what did she say? Or she said, like, hey, we're going to heaven. Uh, let's go visit your grandma or something. Or what, wh- how did she approach that? Well, we're going we're gonna to go somewhere. Um, she, what I remember that she said, I remember her reaching her hand out to me and said, we're going to, I'm taking you to heaven, um, uh, into your spiritual, into your garden. She called it your garden, your, your heaven, your, your garden of heaven, where you can play tonight and during, you know, while you sleep. And, um, so, um, and I, and I went, you know, I just, I, I wanted to go to, you know, to heaven. And, uh, I remember, um, uh, her saying to me, it's going to be okay. Everything is fine. Just, just take my hand. And when, when I took her hand, it was as though that from what I can remember that I saw was that all these rays of light that I just traveled so fast. You know, it would appear like I was in a tunnel, but yet it wasn't a tunnel, you know, because it had some openness to it, you know, but it, it just, it just went so fast. It was like, shoosh, I was there, you know, and, um, uh, everything in the garden was just beautiful. You know, every, there were little animals there and, at um all the flowers seemed so huge in the trees and they just had the color was so luminous you know it um it wasn't anything like here on earth in the color um and even the sky uh the clouds um it was though that you could just touch them you know and um uh, and I remember and where she took me, she took me to a creek and I remember I could hear all the sounds and all the sounds were um, so tuned, you know, they were just so clear. I could hear everything, you know, the birds singing and you could hear the animals and all the animals would come up to me. Um, I remember the rabbits and the deer. I especially remember the deer and the rabbits. Because um, when she let go of my hand, getting back to my mm-hmm. angel, she let go of my hand and she said, you have a friend here. And when I looked up and he took his hand out, it was Jesus. So Jesus was I, in the garden. Just, Jesus was in the garden and um, visiting me in my garden. And we walked along the creek. And, um, and he just, and he just would talk to me about everything that was there was my garden. All the beauty, uh, of it was all mine, you know? And, um, I, I, I just, you know, I still have that memory and so clear in my head since a child. And I would always go uh, off and on during my sleep, um, even to this day, present, I visit my garden, and I do visit and talk with Jesus. So when Jesus took your hand and you were a kid, did he mention anything 
uh, why, or did the angel mention anything why they brought you to heaven? Like why you were picked or selected to, to do this? Well, it's not that I was picked. It's that it, the, we all have the gift uh, and the presence of God and God's gifts, his footprints within us. And um, I just happened to come, I was awake. Um, I'll take you back just a little bit. Um, before I was born, I was very, I, I was very close to my family that I was going to be born into. I was very close to my brother. Uh, it was so real. And I remember everything and things that happened to him. And, um, and proof is in the pudding on that because my mother um, when we were, I was at the doctor's one time and when I was very little and he had asked me the question, do you have any scars or anything on your, on your body? And I said, yes, on my foot there, it's there. I stepped on a nail and my mother looked shocked and I did, was describing it to a T and she said, excuse me, but that didn't happen to you. You weren't even born. And, and I swore, no, it was me. What well, was my brother? And that's how close my memory was, you know, um, between okay. this world and the other world. Let's put it that way. You know, so my memory, you know, my, uh, in my awareness, uh, I've just came aware. So there wasn't a, you know, there wasn't a, like, he didn't say there was a special reason or Jesus didn't say like, you know, like, uh, he said that any of us are able to, to reach out and, and feel that. Yes. All people. I mean, he's even told me these stories. I've done, we have many writings and messages, uh, from Jesus and, um, and Moses and the disciples. Um, all of us again, have that footprint of God within our heart. It's just whether or not we want to um, be awakened to it. You know, it's, you know, it's a matter, it's, you know, thoughts and feelings. And, you know, um, sometimes our thoughts get very physical instead of um, spiritual. Um, But as long as we um, keep ourselves attuned to our God-like qualities and, um, you're very close then to God. God is close to you. As you proceeded on, so so your mom was cool with that, and she, you know, your mom nurtured this and said, like, hey, it's 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 great mm-hmm. that you're, you know, communicating with angels, and you know, she believed you. Did you ever talk about it with anybody at church, or did you try to keep it because you didn't want to be seen? Like, you know, in in our society, which is a very material society, to say that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're communicating with God. Sometimes might not be taken too, uh, you know, too well by you know, people in religious right, figures right. or things like. That. So, I mean, how did you approach that uh, when you're like, you know what, I'm I'm going to this magical garden. Uh, I've seen heaven. It's totally sweet. I talked to Jesus. Uh, I know I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how did you approach that when you would tell other people about it who were outside your family? Well. As I grew, I mean, even, you know, um, my, you know, how you have your little friends, your best, best friends that you play with and whatnot. Um, I would sometimes share or I would see things and I would say, did you see that? And they would say, no. I said, oh, okay. And I said, and I would just leave it like that. And uh, one time, um, 
my little friend Kimmy. Um, he was getting, we had gone uh, down to his basement and I was standing at the very top of the stairs and he was getting a game uh, for us to play. And uh, when he turned around, I just was so stunned, you know, and he was holding the, the, the game up to say, um, Julie, is this one okay? I saw just his aura, just rays of, of, of light, his aura all around him that filled the entire basement. And he said, you look like you've seen a ghost. I said, I got to go home. I can't talk right now. Right. I ran all the way home. And uh, I was so, you know, I, I was a bit shocked. I don't know how to say what I was. I just didn't know what to do. It was so clear, so vivid. And um, I just ran in the house yelling for my mother and she was upstairs and she said, just calm down, calm down. And she tried to calm me down. And the only way she could calm me down was to say, hey, it's time for a bath, get in the water, just calm down. And then you can tell me about it. And, um, and I did, I calmed down. I said, I've never seen this before. What is this? What's happening to me? Why am I saying these things? And other people don't see them. You know, because I was really kind of upset and yet happy that I could, but didn't understand why other people didn't, you know, or my friends didn't. So my mother's explanation to that was, is that it was, she, she said, it's okay. She just would say, it's okay. God is with everyone. Some people can see him more clearly than others. When they really want to, they can see them even more. It's okay if they don't. It doesn't mean that they won't. And so I just kind of settled with that. Like, okay, it's okay. But she said, when they're ready, they will. You just happen to be more ready than other people. And that's how she, you know, would just calm me down. And that happened when I was about seven years old. So, um, I, I sort of dealt with it as I was growing that way. And then as I started making really best friends, you know, I would know, um, you know, not to go to certain parties or, you know, that what would happen if I did go, you know, I, I, I would have to listen. Was that an intuition or was it, was, did somebody tell you? That, that I could hear it. I, it's like being, I clairvoyant clear audience I can I can hear and so um you know um those are the kinds of things that always have happened to me you know it just is it became a norm for me and um um an acceptance of um of Jesus Christ you know and um and and God it's it's really I always accepted it as a blessing I, you know, nationally, not everybody's going, you know, you don't run out and say, hey, I'm this, I'm that, I can do this. Right. I never did that, you know. Well, and... and Those, I, I always knew that, you know, people that came to me were ready. And when I knew they were ready, then we would talk. 
Would uh, Jesus or anybody or the angels give you any kind of advice for your friends? Like if they did help you out and say things like, hey, don't go to this party because you'll probably end up getting in trouble. Um, did they, right. you know, did they, did Jesus give you dating advice or anything like go make, you know, like this guy's a good guy or, you know, this dude, like he's, he's got a motorcycle. Don't get on the back. Or was it things, was it certain things like that? Cause we tend to think of when, when God does things, he does things or he or she or whatever that does things in a big way. Right, does things in a right, in a right. biblical global way, but when you have a personal right. relationship like that, like you know, you have a garden and stuff like that in heaven, um, mm-hmm. does mm-hmm. God do any you know personal favors? Well, I, I don't know that I take it as a personal favor, but as um, if you're you know, if I was going down the wrong path. Um, and maybe going into the wrong crowd or group of people, um, I would definitely hear, don't go there, you know? And I would test it sometimes. You know, I did do a bit of test. Well, I think I'll be okay. And and they would say, okay, we'll wait and see. And, and you know, I'll give you just a brief example. Um, I was told not to go to a certain party. It was like a fraternity party, right? That if I went, there would be, you know, I would meet, you know, a problem there that I would not make me happy, right? Okay. And I thought, well, okay, okay. And um, the uh, boy that I was with, he says, um, and I had said, well, I really don't, let's not go to the party. I kind of left it like that. I don't have a good feeling about it. And he says, okay, but can we just stop by for five minutes, you know, just to see some friends? I said, okay, all right, just five minutes. Right. What's it going to hurt? Just a little bit. (laughs) Just five minutes. You know, that's okay, right? No harm done. And um, the house, you know, was just full of kids, you know. I mean, um, uh, high school kids, you know, we were high school, you know, sophomores. And um, so... um, as soon as I walked in the door, I, I'm honest to God, when I walked in the door and there were so many people everywhere and I just walked into the foyer and everyone yells out, raid, raid. And I think, oh, my God, you know, why didn't I listen? You know, my, I just really thought of my parents, right? And um, so uh, my friend, who was Mike, I'll tell you his name. Um, he took me down in the basement. He said, you'll be safe here. And I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, I wasn't safe there. Um, I was told to come, you know, some of the policemen, they came down and uh, they saw me there in the basement. And they said, come on up here, young lady. Well, I didn't drink, right? And there were cakes of um, beer all over. Sure. And then some uh, some people were 21. And um, um he, he looked at everyone. He said, okay, you, 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 you. And there was 10 of us. And I was one of those 10. And so was my date. You stay here. And I thought, oh, no, here it goes. Why didn't I listen? You see what I mean? Right. I thought the consequences. I was told not to go. <laughs> and so he took us down to the police station. And to come to find out, the... Um, he was dressed in plain clothes and he said, young lady, what is your name? He said, you look familiar. And I said, oh no. And I said, Julie uh, DeMambro. 
And uh, he said, oh, Tony DeMambro's daughter. And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> but he said, well, you know, he said, I think we should really teach you a big lesson here so that this doesn't happen again. And he took us down to Alexandria Police Station. And my dad had to come, to make the story short, my dad had to come and pick me up. Because my dad was, um, um, he was master of the uh, D.C. Lodge at the time. And so he knew a lot of people. And I just, I had to face him and see that was a big consequence. To face him, I just didn't know what so to do. So you were, you were saved because your dad was a mason? No, I wasn't saved. It's just that he knew a lot of people. And ah. I know my dad didn't want, my daughter was taken down to the police station. Right. It's an embarrassment, you know. And I thought, oh, Lord, how am I going to lose through this? Well, I, I tell you, I could so, I, I could definitely have used that angel. Let me know when parties I was going to go to are going to be raided. So that's that's helpful. That, that's a great intuition right there. Like, don't go to this part. Oh, we go for five minutes, and that's right. you're like, wow, right. that's interesting. And and that's what I always kind of wonder when you think about how you know these kind of messages work. And we were also saying that you know you said you you didn't just tell people about this lightly because it's not a light thing because you're a lot of people are going to face you with no. obviously uh, inc- incredulity and disbelief and be like what are right. you talking about so when you do decide to share this like when you you know did decide and and, and you wrote your book and you talked about soul travel and and, and you had your I'm interested in uh, your near death experience so mm-hmm. how how did that happen. And if you already had a relationship with the other side, like, did they let you know? Did the angel or God or Jesus say, like, hey, don't, you know, is, is that a time you had a near-death experience where you disobeyed instructions, like when you went to the party that was raided? Right, because, you know, um, I was always even taught, you know, about choices. We make choices, good and bad. And I was always guided by my... Um, spiritual guides by Jesus. It's it's making the good choices, you know. You hope we would have free will because otherwise hell right. isn't hell you isn't do. very fair, you is do. it? You know, like when you when you think about the Calvinists, and they said like, oh no, it's only one hundred forty four thousand people that go to heaven, and you're like, that's it, one hundred forty, and there's nothing you can do about it. Then that leads you to believe like, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want because if it's already been predetermined, then why does it matter? But you know, it isn't predetermined. It's just by it's it's just by the choices that we make. It doesn't mean that if you make a bad choice that you're not gonna go to heaven. It's just an experience that you have the free will to choose. You know, God doesn't slap your hand by the choices that you make. So you know? uh, when we were talking about free will and choices, was it uh, let's just get into how did you have your near death experience and were you warned about it beforehand? Okay. Um, well, the near-death experience was, um, that is one that I know when I saw angels and all, I thought that I would never, ever see anything as beautiful as that. But the near-death experience, I was age 19 and, um, I had become very, um, my husband, I was married early. My husband was in Vietnam and, um, my parents had asked me to come back home to live because they saw that I wasn't doing so well. And so to make a long story short, um, I had uh, told my parents that they had taken me to the hospital a couple of times. I said, I don't want to go anymore. 
I just want to pray. And they said, no, we can't do that. You know, you know, so um, I was admitted into the hospital. And um, I had the doctor, and the reason why I'm going to tell you this is because I had gone a number of times to the doctor and they couldn't find anything. And um, there was this one doctor and he had just been flown in um, from Vietnam that same morning. And um, he came into my room. And when I looked at him, that's, and I told my dad, I said, he's the one that I want to take care of me. Okay. It was like he was sent, I, I knew he was sent by God, and I had heard it. And, then, and uh, so what happened was, is that when I went in, I didn't know I was put on a cancer ward, because that's what he thought that I had. I didn't know any of that. I wasn't, a, I just wasn't aware. I'd never been into, you know, a hospital for those reasons. So anyway... When I, um, he knew, I had a conversation with him of my beliefs um, the night before. And um, so you told you, you told your doctor that you had a, you know, that I told my doctor visions. that I don't know why I told him that I, you know, that um, I really felt that he was sent by God um, to protect me and to take care of me and that God would work through him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I just had that trust. And, um, so as soon as I went under the next morning when I was taken in, and as soon as I went under, um, I just, all of a sudden I was just catapulted right, right into, um, um, right into heaven, right? No, it's not, it wasn't right into heaven. It was like, it actually appeared like I was in a funnel you know, that had the speed of light, everything was whirling and it was in waves, uh, all rays, just beautiful rays, but they were in a spiral and I was right in the middle traveling uh, at a very fast rate. And beside me was someone, uh, was a very, was a master. Um, he had, uh, I knew he was because of his attire. And, um, when I got to, um, the end of that, I guess we came to call it a tunnel. Um, uh, To me, I guess I want to make it clear. It's like if you ever saw a horn, you know, how it uh, it's small at the end and it can get bigger and wider. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was traveling in because there was a protection of the rays around it that I was in. I felt I felt protected at that speed. So were you going toward the short end of the horn or the, the wide end? Of the, was it like coming into the wide end of the horn or the short? I went from the short to the wide. Okay. It wasn't real narrow. I mean, I could sit through it. it was, but it just seemed to branch out that way, like a cone. I guess that's a better description. And when you describe someone next to you, so when you're in the horn, when you enter that, so you, you go under... And then you start seeing rays of light, and then you start, you know, things start swirling around. It's a tunnel. And then, mm-hmm. um, so you're not alone in the tunnel. Are you laying down? Are you upright? Are you... No, I'm standing straight up. And you said and there, you was know, someone, there was someone dressed up I next to you. I had a master 
teacher, yes, he was in um, in his robe, and it was a master teacher, um, and he was holding my hand. He was standing right next to me, and when I got to the very end um, of it, when we came right to the end, so we just walked right in, and there was a door, a very large door, and the handle of the door was in pure white, and it was just an illumined white. And he said, and he had said to me, you can open the door. And I opened the door. And when I opened the door, um, I heard angels singing, a harp. It just was, oh, it was beautiful. And um, in front of me, there were, um, it was in a circle of all the disciples and around them, more masters, and around them, more. And they were all in white robes, you know, and they had the hood on them. I could see some of their faces, and some of their faces I didn't see, but I, I could capture that there was a face there, and some of them were very clear. And then in the center was, all of a sudden, was a... Um, uh, a beam of white light and Jesus appeared in the center. Okay. And when he appeared into the center and he reached out and he, he reached out towards me for me to take his hand, I started walking. I took him and the, the circle opened up for us to walk through. And then I heard, I heard God, I know that sounds crazy, but I heard God talking. Like overheard, or did he say something directly to you? I, I heard, I heard him talking to me. He was talking to me, and I kneeled down immediately, and I, I just kneeled down in a prayer position, and he said to me, he said, "My child, stand and stand before me and say your prayer." And I knew, I knew then that I was that I was going, I was, I was, I died. You know, I knew I because I had thought it that I'm in heaven now for real, you know, forever. And um, I had this feeling come over me that I had, you know, made the transition. When you went under, was it the kind of surgery that could kill you? Well, no, no. The, um, and again, the proof was in the pudding because, see, my heart stopped on the table. I don't know how how many seconds my heart completely stopped. I was completely bruised on my chest when I got back to my room. But they, he said, for no reason, um, uh, he said, my heart had stopped and they couldn't revive me. And I remember that when I came back. I remember, you know, when I was in heaven, I saw the tabernacle. I saw my whole book of life. You know, and I prayed to God when I saw the, my book of life and the pages flying. I, was, I said a prayer to God and asked him if I could return, if he would give me more time to do his will and to be with my family. You know, and um, because as a child, and the reason why I tell you this is because I live more on the other side than this side. As a young child, I was closer to the other side of life than than earthly, okay, you know, than the physical world. So um, 
as a child, um, you know, I grew that way in my thoughts and my feelings from within. You know, I, I'd rather be there than as I grew, I saw that people were older. I didn't understand that. And, you know, I would tell my mother, uh, that's not how God makes people. He doesn't make them to get old like that. He doesn't make them sick, you know, and it really upset me. And uh, it was very hard for her to get me, you know, to convince me that this is how this world is, you know. This is this is what people grow old and they die. And that was right. very hard for me to accept as a child. So I lived kind of in two worlds, you know, until I... Um, learned how to be a little more grounded. But then when you had the chance to stay there, you decided to come back. Yes. When I had that, when I, when I was there, um, I asked God if he would give me permission, give me more time. I mean, he, he was like, you know, I mean, I actually saw the face and within his face came Jesus right over top of his face. And uh, it just, it was the most gorgeous thing I've ever, ever experienced, ever. And I've done voluntary, voluntarily traveled outside of my body, but this was involuntary travel. I, I, didn't, I didn't go in thinking I was going to die. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> I didn't think that that was going to happen. It just happened. And, <clears throat> and when I tried to get back in my body, when I came back immediately, and uh, when God showed me my book of life and I could see part of things that was going to happen and, and not happen, you know, I was made aware. And um, um, I, I was brought immediately like a speed of light back into that uh, surgery, surgery, surgical room. And I was trying, yelling at my doctor. I couldn't get back in my body. I, I, w- I was frantic. I saw them working on me and I saw my body. I, he- I could hear them, but they couldn't hear me. And um, I, I just, I guess I was so frantic. I didn't know how I knew. I thought it was too late. See, I had my thoughts and I thought it was too late. And then I heard someone tell me, stand before your body and where my head was. And, and then he said, and be calm. And then I did. I was calmed myself down. And um, I just, I laid right, entered right into my body. Okay. And my doctor, now, you know, and when I say the proof is in the pudding and that it was real, I know some people don't believe in that. And I really felt like I needed to tell my story because I know I'm not the only one that just, and some people are afraid to tell, you know. Um, but you know, heaven is real. When you came back, like, how did they bring, like, they restarted your heart? They used, like, the defibrillator or anything like that? Or, like, how did they? Yeah, they did all of it. They did the the paddles, and they had pounded on my heart. Um, he, he was frantic because there was no reason. And he, this was after it happened and when I re- was in recovery afterwards. The doctor talked to me about it. And he said, I thought your mother, I could see her running through those doors when I lost you, you know? 
And he said, for no apparent reason, medical reason, that should never have ever happened. And it did. And when I told him, I did tell him my story. And what, know, and and what, what did he know, say? Because you already talked he, to him the, the night before. Yeah, I, I talked to him the night before. And he said, um, he looked at me. He said, you know, being over in Vietnam has taught me a lot. And this moment and this experience with you has brought me closer and closer to God. And I know what I need to do now. And he, and he said, I'm turning this other doctor over to you to further your recovery. And he said, I'm going back to Vietnam. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a big decision to make, to go back to a war zone. It was. He flew out. He flew out. And I just felt so blessed that he was there. But in turn, he said that it was a blessed moment for him, that experience, that he knew what he needed to do, you know, as a doctor. It just, it was like a twofold story, you know what I'm saying? So it affected him so much that he changed his life on it, yeah. in addition to obviously, yeah. cha- I mean, you having, you having a near-death experience. So, you, you know, you wrote that book about that near-death experience, and your soul travel book about uh, having that and what happened to you when you were 19 in the, in the hospital. And mm-hmm. um, I assume that, since then, you've been uh, going back to the garden, traveling back and forth, having messages. And what made right. you decide to write the uh, prophecies in, in the light of Christ? What made you decide to do this, this newer book that's come out? What was your inspiration behind that? And also, what are some of the things that I have to say? Like, why did you decide to, like, now is the time to write a book? Well, um, you mean the first book, the Soul Travel? Or, to write this book? No, the the, the prophecies uh, book. Because I think the Soul Travel. The I mean, yeah, the near death experience is is pretty exciting. Yeah, the prophecies in the light of of Christ, and and I have to tell you this: I am very blessed. Um, uh, I was married over twenty, uh, about twenty years, almost twenty years, and we divorced in eighty two. And um, I just was married uh, in 2012, and I met this man. His name is Bill, and he was a godsend. I I never thought I was going to get married again. And um, I met him, and uh, he's. it's just like we're both at the same place spiritually. And he's an author and a publisher. And... um, I was receiving and getting to prophecies of the light of Christ. I received messages every day, and I've always journaled my messages. And in 2015, the messages started to come through with some prophecy or changes, um, and they started to get clearer and clearer, you know. And uh, and both um, my husband and I, Bill, we. We question, what do we do with this? And we started. Get, I started getting guidance. Can you give me an uh, example of the messages, uh, though? So that when you say like you received a message and they started getting clearer or they started getting more specific, like if it moved from like, hey, God's got a place for everybody in His kingdom, or you know, hey, the, the don't worry, the Buddhists aren't going to go to hell as long as they're good people, or things like that, like generic, like God loves you stuff. Moving into more specific things, like. Well, uh, international things or safety or what, what kind of, what kind of difference are we talking about? Okay. They started, uh, with early messages. They were filled with hints of, um, 
of things that were coming for America and um, and the whole and the nations worldwide. And um, and later the messages got more and more specific. You know, I started um, uh, receiving messages uh, from Jesus um, on the history of uh, God's universe and um, and where the world would be in several years. So I I continued, you know, sitting down every day a couple times a day, you know, because I I couldn't help but not do it because it was there. And um, in 2015, I just, uh, the messages started indicating that um, uh, even though that some of the events would be catastrophic, you know, God would prevail. Well, uh, what's an example of something that kind of, sh- I, I, I'm interested in, if you received something that shocked you or really interested you, or you're like, like you received some kind of image, prophetic image in a dream or in your, um, in your, in your uh, non, you know, non-physical travel, if you received an image from, from heaven and was, did you get something where later on you're like, wow, that was really specific. I can't believe how accurate that was kind of thing of like an international event or something. Right. Well, I always receive things in the spirit in in the Christ. I, I always stay and keep that force around me, that love and presence around me. And as I would receive, I would also see, I could see like I was there. Also, because when you're writing, if I, if you've ever done this before, um, uh, they sort of have, they have control of my handwriting. I don't know what's going to come through. I can see, and I'm there in the spirit, but they're writing uh, what they want to be told. Okay. You know, um, example, you know, they, they talked about, um, the polar shift, um, and, um, and and they talked about some things, and I don't know, um, sometimes I can't remember them all. Um, they talked about um, um, the rapture, um, you know, revelations, and um, they talked about uh, um, the continuance of, a, of the Bible and the stories um, that would be coming through and be given, and I would be used as a channel for that and writing that. Um, they, um, talked about the, the, the stock exchange, um, the economy around the world, uh, political things that were happening. They told some, they, they told things that happened before they happened. That's so, why we try to get this book out, you know, in, uh, January of 2017, it started publishing before that, but, um, because, they gave me things that were happening before they happened. Um, tsunamis, um, all kinds of things like that. I can't believe that I was getting it, you know, and why me? I don't so you were getting visions of like some disasters, obviously economic disasters, like, you know, probably the 2008 crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so you're, mm-hmm. you're getting that. And then all of a sudden the messages get more specific and you guys are inspired mm-hmm. to, you know, write this, about 2017. And so what's happening in 2017 that we have to watch out for? Anything in specific months? Is there anything we can stop? What, what kind of, what are you getting about that? Well, what they had, one, one of the messages they had told me, where we are right now, 
um, and the world is in a state of chaos and um, greed. And that the greed um, is leading and pushing um, to catastrophic events, even to pushing towards World War III. And um, um, even to terrorist attacks, more uh, rioting, and um, and it's really due to um, you know you have good and you have bad, right? Okay. You have um, negative and positive, and they explain it this way: well, good battle, ba- bad battles for good, you know, the light and the darkness. And um, that has been going on for eons of time. And right now we're at a point, you know, where um, I guess what I would say to, uh, to people um, is to um, keep an open mind and pray and, um, and ask the Holy Spirit the truth. You know, and let that truth, you know, let that truth of love and um, being good to your neighbors, um, let it guide you. And instead of getting into the muck and the mire, because uh, we are very powerful people and we're powerful because God made us powerful people. And through our thoughts and feelings, it creates. and. You know, and if we look at the world right now from top, you know, from the top politically all the way down to everyday people, um, it's very clear to see the direction that we're headed in, right? Well, and and that's true. And a lot of people do say that there is a lot of chaos going on in the world right now and that there's, you know, conflict mm-hmm. and, and obviously tough talk from our politicians. You know, in in the us as humans looking into our conscience and trying to behave according towards our conscience and our better natures, when you see these visions and get these messages, are they, you know, specific things like, uh, you know, don't vote for this person, vote for this person, or make sure that this act passes Congress, or make sure you express your disapproval on the Paris Treaty or North Korea or, or things like that? Are, are you seeing specific political events that are uh, leading to one thing rather than another. Right. I did see, and I was, and it is in my book, I was told that Trump would win. I am neither, um, you know, Democrat or Republican, but I was told that Trump would, would win and that, you know, that God has put him in that, in that place to to save the people of America, to bring America back to America. Like, so he is, he can bring us peace. So even the, the tough talk or anything, or is, or do we need to write him a letter and be like, cut down the tough talk or anything? Or is that, you know, like, are there any specific <laughs> things a, that we can do? He is a human being. <laughs> right. He is a human being, and I'm sure he, he has his faults, you know. But God, I mean, uh, Jesus Jesus chose who for his disciples? Fishermen. He chose all class, a different class of people. It's not about the class, it's about the heart. And it's in the right place. And if the mind and his direction is in the right, is in the right place to put, to put 
America back where it needs to be. And, um, and that's, those are quite clear, concise messages that I got um, all throughout um, Prophecies in the Light of Christ with direction and guidance um, in those areas. In the political areas. So if you know Donald Trump's heart's in the right place, that's that's one aspect that's gonna uh, hopefully avoid World War Three, you know, and get us into trouble. Right. Um, hopefully. Right. Are there any specific like we see things in the U.S. or Canada, North America, or anything? Any cities we should avoid? Or, or when you saw, did you see any disasters? Like we just had a terrorist attack in Manchester in the United Kingdom. And are there? Did you have, have you seen anything? Uh, that you talk about in your book or that you've just gotten messages of recently, places where this is a danger zone, like maybe don't go there because there might be some kind of natural disaster or there might be some kind of attack? Well, I was given that, um, I was given California, um, there would be no more California. I was also um, uh, given that Hawaii, some of the islands uh, would be taken away. Oh, I hope and, not the uh, big island, because I still haven't even been to Hawaii. <laughs> I know. Well, I can see, I was told of the earth changes um, that will begin from hurricanes, uh, tornadoes, and floods. I know that we have them, but these were unusual ones, and I, were t- I was told in 2016. Um, and the volcanoes um, were shifting from within the oceans and giving cause to a lot of the, um, the earth and the ocean changes and the polar shifts. And so there's there's nothing we can do about that, right? Like that, that's not something where it's like, oh well, if you stop fracking, we don't have to worry about California. Right, right. Um, also, I think uh, you know, um, I was told that um, you know our uh, you know our economy um, was, uh, I guess, in so many words, saying that it was not only on shaky ground, but it was really being propped up and that we would get back into the situation that we were in and back in uh, 2007, 2008, that we were, he- were headed in that direction. Mm. Um, um, also, I was, I was told about the, um, the United Nations um, trying to um, take over the Constitution, making the United States... Uh, they're heading towards making um, the United States into a dictatorship, uh, to a one-world government. Um, that when they started out, you know, before World War, you know, after World War uh, One or Two, that um, they the purpose is not the purpose anymore. They're not in the same goals. Um, they're headed in a different direction. It's not for the greater good, it's for the greater number. Uh, for all the nations, it's uh, in a different arena. When we talk about the United Nations particularly, and we, t- and, you know, and that can tie into the whole idea of the one world government and the new world order and, and things. And mm-hmm. and then you know, United Nations, the the idea is that the the end of the conspiracy lies that the fact that the Antichrist will take over and uh, do mm-hmm. some you know horrible things. So, did any of your messages tie into that, or it's just like, hey, man? We should probably watch out for a one-world government because it's not in the best interest. Or is it? Is it more tied in? Do you feel, or in the messages you've received, do they tie it into some of those more popular, you know, biblical revelations prophecies? Uh, they do. The messages are in the book as written as I received it, and um, 
they do tie into um, um, the dark side, the anti, the, you know, the Antichrist. Um, and that's what's really, that force is really what is influencing other people or people that are more in that likeness with greed, you know, and down into the physical senses and that drive. They're influenced by that dark side. And then you have the influence of the light, the more, you know, the good. And you have that influence. You have both of them going at the same time. So it's really fighting light and dark. Something I'm wondering is that, so, right, the the influences of, you know, we talked about living according to your conscience. And, you know, it's, it's funny that, you know, your angels, your better angels served as a Jiminy Cricket for you. And how we can all, how we can listen better or for the, for the people listening to this podcast, what's a way that they can maybe, uh, you know, they probably won't receive messages as clearly or as, you know, physically as you have when you've, you know, seen an angel in your room and, and have for a long time. But if they want to get more in touch with that and, and listen to their, their better natures and, uh, listen to that side. Any any recommendations on how a regular person can do that? Yes, it is. You know, this world is a world of, we're in a world of contrast, you know, to the good. And, um, you know, and how do we, how do we battle that? You know, I mean, that, that isn't easy to do on a day-to-day basis when we get into, um, um, tragedies that have happened in our life and but the one thing that you have is your thought you can change your day you can change an event by what you think and um, if you just turn that around and uh, put more positive thought behind you know the action in other words you know, you can stay in the problem or you can get, you can have a solution. You know, if you stay in the problem, um, it get, doesn't get better. It sometimes gets worse. But if you take that, take that problem and turn it around to a positive uh, solution, it gets better and better and better because you keep practicing it one day at a time. And, um, and you can change your world because you are... You are consciousness. You are all. And um, being that consciousness, there isn't anything in this world that you can't have. And you can always have better and better with your highest integrity. Well, that's a, that's a nice message for everybody. And that's also a good thing to remember that, you know, turning a negative situation around in any time is never going to hurt you. It's only going to make things better. It just, it makes it not only better, but, you know, you get prosperity out of it because that's where God is. You know, I mean, you get, you have a return threefold, you know, and more um, when we stay in that framework. But if we step out of that framework, you know, um, it, things feel like quicksand, you know, they don't, they're not everlasting. They they're temporary. Well, I and well, I'd hope that God's where the abundance is, and so that we can all share God in that. God prevails. Just remember, God prevails through through any darkness. God will prevail. He prevails all. And that's a happy thought. 
Uh, and if people want to read more and learn more about your happy thoughts and your prophecies and your experiences in soul travel, where can they find your books and where can they contact you? Um, they can um, find my books on Amazon.com and um, they, can ta- they can contact me on my email at jdcross88 at yahoo.com. Very cool. Very cool. So make sure you check in Amazon for the books and we're going to have a link to your website and everything like that in the show notes and you guys will be able to find all of that at othersidepodcast.com slash 147. Thank you very much for joining us today, Julie. I really enjoyed our conversation and I think that our listeners did too. Well, thank you and thank you for having me. So, bad time to live in California. Oh, man. Brutal. I think it's going to be the big... Well, you know, I've been thinking it was going to be the big one since I was a little kid. Right. I was always terrified about that. It seemed like they were talking about it all over the place back then. They were. And also because they had built a nuclear reactor near the San Andreas Fault. Oh, it was, okay. It was the idea that not, on, like, not only is this earthquake going to happen, we also have to worry about what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, if it's going to be a Fukushima. Well, this is way before right. Fukushima. But I was a little kid. Oh, gosh. I remember watching an episode of Ripley's Believe It or Not, and I don't know if this is my imagination and I just kind of stuck my... But we were watching Ripley's Believe It or Not, the original one with Jack Palance. And they talked about if the big one happened, California would be off into the ocean. So I always expected it to happen in my lifetime. I think that's what J.D. Cross is talking about. When she, you know, that was one of her prophecies. And... um, Well, let's hope not. Yes. And she's also saying that Donald Trump has a special mission that he's put there for a reason. Um, hmm. you, know, I, you know, living in Madison, is, it's funny. because So if you guys aren't familiar with Madison, Wisconsin, it's in Dane County, which is a more rural county in Wisconsin, in, in the south-central part of the state. But Wendy, when you think about the rest of the county as compared to Madison, how would you define the politics? <laughs> well, I, I think someone best described it as... Uh... A blueberry. That's a really good way to put it. Like Madison's the blueberry surrounded by <laughs> strawberry. Yeah, surrounded by the red state. A field of strawberries. So, so Madison is a very liberal town surrounded by more conservative uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. And the joke is the People's Republic of Madison is what they call it because everybody's a socialist. And so, um, you know, it was funny talking to J.D. Kress. She's like, you know, Donald Trump's there for a purpose. And I think if I told that to anybody in Madison, they'd be like, oh, my God, they'd be like, well, I hate him. You know, it, it just, you know, they'd punch me in the face. Like, I, I wouldn't even say it um, at a party. I wouldn't be like, you know what? Donald Trump is a purpose. They'd be like, the purpose is to catch my fist. So um, uh, we'll find out what, you know, we really will find out what happens. I mean, we're also, yeah. the, the one thing about the future is that you can't stop it no matter where it lies. So I hope J.D. Cross is right. And I hope it's a good purpose. And, uh, uh, yes. well, you know what? Indeed. And just, just to go back really quick, I, I have thought about that on some occasions. So like, why was John F. Kennedy only in, uh, only president for a couple of years instead of, you know, Richard Nixon? Because Richard Nixon eventually became president. So if we're thinking that there is a purpose to everything and that, that there is a, uh, you know, a plan for the universe, why would you have JFK come in 1960 instead of Richard Nixon, who eventually become president anyway, if there was a purpose to having them both be president? And I always thought that his purpose was to get us through the Cuban Missile Crisis without the world going kablooey. All right. 
That's a good theory. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just saying if, if, if everything has a purpose, so there's some greater plan, maybe that plan was get us through the missile crisis. Okay. You got us through the missile crisis. Now, now we're going to let somebody shoot you in Dallas. Uh, oh, man. But I mean, that's the thing. So, I've ever, so I hope it's a similar purpose. I've obviously I don't hope any harm on anyone, but I hope it's a similar purpose in that kind of idea. So in a positive sense, yeah, what a, in a positive sense. So maybe something good yes. will happen or maybe he'll get us out of some jam or maybe he'll just uh, make it so that the next season of The Apprentice is more interesting. But I guess we're going to find out about that. Well, the thing is, when we were working on this particular episode and we were thinking about songs to do, we really couldn't think of a better song idea than one that has J.D. Cross's life right there in the title. And uh, even though this particular song is a, a metaphor for heroin addiction, also the, the words and the lyrics of this song are just perfect for kind of what we were talking about today. So, uh, Wendy, do you remember when you first heard this song? I couldn't even tell you because it was, I feel like I've heard this song a thousand times. I have too. I have <laughs> too. I remember, I remember hearing it on the morning show on 93 QFM in Milwaukee oh, wow. when we were in uh, eighth grade because hard to handle. So the song we're picking is She Talks to Angels by the Black Crows, just to throw it out there. And the, the <laughs> single before She Talks to Angels was Hard to Handle. And being a kid, I'd never heard the original version of Hard to Handle or knew it was a blues song. You know, all I knew was the Black Crows version. And it was kind of a, a novelty because, you know, he's got the pedal thing, let me let you because I'm, I'm sure Hard to Handle now I guess around. Like it, that comes out and everybody like singing on the school bus and stuff as we were listening to the radio on the way to school. And so I just remember hearing it, hearing She Talks to Angels as it was the next single from that album on the school bus. And everybody loved the Black Crows and thought that the song was great. And I, th- I thought that the song was super deep as a 14-year-old. I'm like, oh, man, that song's super deep. Oh, it's beautiful, too. It is a beautiful song. So that's the one we went with today. Uh, we just did a little acoustic uh, version of She Talks to Angels by the Black Crows. And here you go. When the pain comes 
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Hold the presses. I can't believe... Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Did you see what's happening on June 29th? Did I see what's happening? I cleared my whole schedule for it. I cleared my whole schedule too. June 29th, we are meeting with the Patreon community of the See You on the Other Side podcast again. It's a chance to hang out online, talk paranormal stories. Last time, we shared a ton of paranormal stories with our Patreon community, had some fun with our good friends, and we'd like to do it with you guys again. June 29th at 7 p.m. Central Time. Save the date. Put it in your uh, Moleskine notebook. I don't even know if I'm saying that. Is it Moleskine? Moleskine? I think, yeah, either works. Okay. But save it in your notebook because we want to hang out with you. What's Patreon? Yes. Patreon's a chance for you to show your support for the podcast, to hang out with like-minded people and talk paranormal stuff. You can check it all out at othersidepodcast.com slash donate. And who is one of our favorite patrons? We love Dr. Ned. Dr. Ned, thank you so much. Hey, I saw Dr. Ned went on the Madison Ghost Walk this weekend too. Oh, that's awesome. So- 
He was also at our show at Broadfest. Yeah, so we've obviously... Braved the rain for it. Yes. So, Dr. Ned, thank you for checking out the Ghost Tour. Thanks, Ned. Rocking out the show and obviously being at the level of Patreon sponsorship where we give a shout out to you every single episode. So thanks a lot, Doc Ned. Thanks to everybody in our Patreon community. Yes, and thank you, listener, (laughs) for tuning in to see you on the other side. Uh, I've seen heaven. It's totally sweet. 